just might stop to check to burn. And then when I'm walking, I start, I stop, and I'm so strung out. And I'm high as a kite, I just might stop to check you around. Body and beats, I stay my sheets. I don't even know why. My girlfriend, she's at the end. She is starting to cry. When I'm walking, stop, 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 and I'm so strong out. I'm high as a kite. I just want to check you out. Let me go on. Oh, boys, we are back for another week of SVS Fly Fishing Podcasting. It is good to be sitting around this table again, man. Ugh, this weather is getting warm out today. You look like you're about to have a heat stroke, my fat friend. That's because I am. <laughs> I spent all day standing around the barbecue grill and uh, scraping concrete floors, but that's another story for another time. Oh, yeah, I called you in the middle of that. That was that was funny. You're oh, huffing, was... You're... <sighs> Hold on, Jay. <laughs> I was sweating my my hairy asshole off. Oh, I was I'm still out of breath from that. And then my wife's like, "Why didn't you do a goddamn thing around the house?" I said, "Did you see? The, did you see the basement floor, babe? Why wanted you go out and scrape some of that fucking carpet?" <laughs> She's like, "All right, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. Hey, tonight's show being brought to us by Predator Flag Gear. Check them out at predatorflaggear.com. A-Rex Hooks. Find me A-Rex-Hooks.com. Sims Fishing. SimsFishing.com. Hey, tonight's show is being recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check Mark out at UrbanFlyCompany.com. Uh, we got some stories about some fish Mark's been getting into also. So uh, check out some guiding from UrbanFlyCompany.com. And check out Down to Earth Wealth Management. Queen City Guiding. Ryan Evans. QueenCityGuiding.com. Hey, I don't know if anyone knows. We're not breaking anything right here, but Ryan has some big news coming up. So uh, wait and stay tuned. Can't wait to hear from that dude. And he he was yeah. musky fishing today. Yeti, Bill for the Wild. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did some musky fishing. Yeah. So he sent me a picture. He had one in the boat. And then he sent me a picture earlier this morning of uh, two in the boat. He said back-to-back casts. I don't know if that was from this morning or or what. Hell yeah. But their, their opener was today, right? Last week. Last week. Yeah, it was last Saturday. Get some getting out and get some fish. Minnesota Mark, you were out. Canada was today's opener. Was it? Mm-hmm. Last Saturday was also the Wisconsin opener, correct? Northern yeah. Wisconsin. Northern, yep. Yep. And we took the week off because we were enjoying the nice weather and family float with our wives and our children. Yeah. And catching fish. We were catching mm-hmm. a lot of fish. It was fun. Mm-hmm. That was a good day. Mm-hmm. It, it started out a little slow. Very. But then it turned into a... That's a, what it did last week, too. It was the yeah. same thing. A very, fish very catching slow. extravaganza. It sure was. Yeah. Well, Mark Mark was in he was in the front for a little while, and then I put he let me go through the front, and then right after that's when I nabbed that little pike. And then after that, it seemed like it was just... I lost a big smallmouth before that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Right before the funnel there. My kid, all he was concerned about was being in first. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, my wife fishes at the same pace I do. Or rows at the same pace I like to fish. So we ended up being in first. 
I don't mind just being it slow in the back. It don't matter. Yeah, you guys ended up catching some fish. Definitely did. My wife, yeah, she she had a nice walleye. Thing was beautiful. It was pulling. I thought it was a hybrid, and it was just you know big. So it was pulling hard. I was I was really surprised. I was like, oh man, it's not a hybrid, but you know, can't be mad at what it was. But the gold bar. Yeah, it's nice to see him that big catching them consistently. We caught a lot of different variety of fish on that float last week. Mm-hmm. Well, we got smallmouth. Jay, you caught a pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I caught. Oh, you guys got a walleye in your boat? I got a crappie. I got a white bass. I got a wiper. Yeah, we got I got some, a carp. We got a rock bass. <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of rock bass. I yeah. think I caught. I think I caught four rock bass. That lower end's been full of them. As <laughs> my wife was rowing, and I was like, "Hey, babe, look at that little fish right beside my fly." And I watched it eat, and I said, like, "Here it is!" <laughs> I just picked <laughs> up as a rock bass. <laughs> it was cool. It ate right beside the boat. That's funny. But yeah, man, it, it was a good time, a good float. Um, a few good smallmouth too. Uh, Ab's got one that was probably about fifteen. That was nice and fat. Yeah, yeah. That that stretch has been producing some nice fish. Yeah, we lost three over sixteen. That one that you moved at the end, my wife hooked it. First jump out of the water, spit. That was a 17, 18 inch fish. That well, was I, a big one. I hooked one right there too, so yep. that I I don't foresee it eating again after I hooked. Like I stung it, so it's probably another that big was a fish. Fat fish. <laughs> <laughs> Jace missed a big one right there. He's I was talking to him uh, that the day before, same spot on a popper, came up just wasn't there. You know what I mean? But uh, I missed that same uh, fish in the same rock pile there. Uh, big one like the week before when we took our wives out i was gonna go walk there today and then i sat down on the couch i was like oh my knees and my arms hurt oh god and i just proceeded to close my eyes and <laughs> not get up and not go fishing <laughs> but uh i did walk over the pond caught a couple large mouth I saw nice. I saw something cool. Uh, there was a largemouth over there. It was corralling like this little bitty fry. Like they're, I could see them, and I saw them up closer later in the day. But they're about as big as my fingernail is wide. My pinky nail is wide. They're just super tall or small. And this bass, like I saw him corralling them and shooting into them, like like you see the uh, the billfish do in salt water. Hmm. It, it's super cool. And I threw a popper right out there, and it turned and crushed my popper and i i set the hook on it forgot i was throwing six pound test <laughs> it popped, them, the popper popped them right off and i was like all right that was cool that's pretty cool and then like three seconds later i saw him jump up and try to shake the popper out i was like ah damn it <laughs> good size fish uh you know what it was probably a pound and a half hmm. solid farm pond fish nice what, Our, y- yesterday I hooked two on poppers, landed one, so it's it's been heating up a little bit. Nice little jaunt away, and since my mom and Bruce are away, I've been I commandeered the golf cart so I don't have to walk over there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, yeah, it's it's really far. I know, but it's nice. I I can fish one side of it, hop into golf cart, and drive over to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, First world problems. Our uh, our river got a little bit more water. They uh, they bumped it up a couple days ago. We should have been there today. I know. We should have been there today. Even yesterday. Yesterday was still low. Like 
not low low, but it had the color to it. What's oh. that now? Three and change. I didn't nah, check it. Four out. something. Oh, is it? Yesterday it was four something. I drove over and I'm like, oh, that's not what it was. Fish were yeah. active today too. Yeah, but we'd have definitely seen some fish, mm-hmm. and some of the you know we did even just went to the four fifty six. Nice. Yeah. How's color? Dirty. And yeah, that was yesterday. A little bit had a little bit of color to it, but I'm not gonna. It say wasn't it. awful. It's not muddy. No, it wasn't but it had awful. color. Yeah. And that was down. I was all the way way down by where we are. Okay. I saw it. So who knows? Yeah, I I drove up to the the fish market. So I I did our our shuttle, and okay. I got to drive along it and look and oogle. I said, "Ooh, there's our river. Ooh, <laughs> I want to be there." But I'm gonna cook some prawns. <laughs> So we do have two guests this evening. Um, as everyone knows, the second or second Sunday of the month, we always talk to Pogo. We added a new monthly guest. Uh, our boy Dick, Dick Gross with the traveling minivan, is going to be first month or first Sunday of the month caller. So we're going to call Dick and uh, get the lowdown, hear about where he's been, where he's going, how the fishing's been around the world, or at least around the country. <laughs> Yeah, he gets to travel to a lot of places for his job and seems to get to fish everywhere he goes and hooks up with somebody that's, you know, pretty cool. We get to uh, Captain Pete, see him with them a lot, you know, and that guy fishes like hell. Yeah, man. That would be a a hoot riot to fish with those two. Oh, yeah. So. That's pretty soon here. That's coming right up first, and then after that. We got Tim Land Weir from Tight Lines Fly Fishing. Couple previous I, guests. I cannot wait to talk to Tim. He, they, time. They've been killing it on pre-spawn, and then uh, what they said, or he was telling me they give the fish a break during the spawning season. So he's been doing all kind of other outdoor activities and fun stuff to talk about. And it's getting ready for them to be getting back on the water and starting to chase the smallmouth again. So I want to hear about what the programs talk are looking like. I can't wait. Cool. And Tim's always so full of energy. I can't. Uh, he's just, he's a ball of energy. <laughs> and soon to come, Chad's going to have his own podcast about uh, barbecuing food. Oh, I don't know if I can fit another podcast in my life, but I fit another Instagram handle on. <laughs> so if anyone wants to uh, check out some food pictures, look up full hard food. <laughs> so that that's a little inside joke with me and my, my cousin's husband. Every time we go fishing. Which isn't much because he lives in Maryland. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm full hard. I can't go to sleep. So he, he's always, oh, full hard. That's full hard. <laughs> so that, that's where that screen name came from. I figured nothing better than a, a wiener joke with a food food blog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was right along. <laughs> nice. pulling, that, pulling pork. Yeah. Nothing like a, a butt joke or a pulling pork joke. Mm-hmm. It all happens with the barbecue, man. So uh, today, if, if nobody has anything else fishing related to talk about, I got some barbecue. But do we have fishing? Well, so we want to want to hit on today with Derek now, or you want to do that after? You got eight minutes. Can you fit it into eight minutes? Yeah. All right, then there you go. We're we'll reserve barbecue talk for later after our guests. So we went up with our uh, buddy Derek this morning. Went north. It's still lake's still sixty eight up there, so it's it's warm and quick. Weeds are stupid bad. So it's going to be like a quick summer this year on, you know, it, it's moving quick and it's choking up quick. But we kind of started off with a 
straight west wind hard and a triathlon, meaning they were <laughs> swimming in the whole center section of the lake. <laughs> it's like, well, this is interesting. So how many, there. how many ladies in bikinis did you get to see, though? None. Listen, that time, we, like, we launched like right at dark, so we were kind of like, there's like a whole bunch of people setting up, and you know how that launch is there? Now yeah. imagine like, Hmm. Add, adding 85 people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <around. laughs> the only good news is, is there's like five Porta Johns there now. So that was convenient. <laughs> so I'm trying to find a place to park the trailer. but So the whole center section's pretty much taken off. The lower end's choked out. So it's like, eh, we got a couple options here. And one's kind of my bread and butter I do every time. That's what I always start with. So we just sat and kept beating it over and over and over and just kept doing that drift because there was another musky boat doing the opposite drift. So it's like, I'm not going to go cut in between them. So we stayed there and just kept moving fish after fish. And off the bat, like, moved one in. Fish came in. They were, like, really boat shy. Came in, kind of, like, nose to fly, turned, looked at, like, like kind of came up and then just busted off. They, like They looked at you and mooned you? Yep. <laughs> just like that other one a month ago did. So after that fish, hooked a couple fish away from the boat. Got both of them ones in, both smaller fish, like 30... Two on the first one. Second one was even smaller. Was the the first one the one you sent us the picture of this morning? Yeah, with the big, huge marks and gouges on the side of it. The funny part with that fish is at eight, probably I don't know, ten feet from the boat, and I went to strip and I lost the line. So rather than just like shuffling and grabbing, I was like, screw it. If he's there, he's there. I like got it, like tightened it, like real tight, and just kept reaching like till I felt the fish, and then just hammered it. So it's like, all right, well. <laughs> he's either spitting this thing before I hit him. And it took a few seconds, but it ended up working out. <laughs> you, so. Oh, my God. You have the patience of a yeoman. And I tell you, the good thing is, is I'm glad I did because the net got caught on everything. Every <laughs> screw in the boat, <laughs> then the fly box, both of our lines. If I didn't hit him good, that fish was spit the hook a couple times. So landed that, and then the next fish ate a little ways out, too. It was probably like uh, 30 feet or so, 40 feet. Then it started moving fish that would, like, come in. They come right up in. As soon as you went to the figure eight, you make the turn to the right, and the fish would turn some away from the boat, like, immediately. Like two, three fish in a row do that. Then I'm looking over at Derek, and we're just in weeds like crazy. So you're always, like, hooking weeds and then pulling through it. And all of a sudden, I, like, felt one, pulled it out, and I look over, and there's a fish sitting there. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it's like, well, it was in its mouth. I pulled it right out of it. Went straight back down to the bottom of the figure eight. Fish ain't underneath the boat. Huh. Like, all right. Set the hook into him. Start pulling him. Get him to the top. Went to kind of. He was a little guy. So I got a dumb question for you. In a situation like this, what if you were to put a weed guard on like uh, the one that Chris did on the the Dark Horseman? Oh, yeah. Right there. Where, where's that fly? I, oh, okay. right here. Yeah. What if you were to do a weed guard like this to help just pull through the weeds because i don't think that's gonna affect a, a hookup ratio yeah, just more time involved in it i just adjust lines till i figure out which one keeps them right above it because you can go like that and then that thing's flat you're going right through the weeds mm-hmm. it'd work it's just a, a thought i'm trying to keep right at that level where whatever it is like the weeds are two foot below it but it's hard to do right now because the weeds are ripping a surface everywhere yeah but all in all yeah Ten fish, two <laughs> in the boat. That's not a bad day. No, just in blistering wind. Oh, uh, very bad. The wind was ridiculous. Nobody kind of hooks. No, thank That's goodness. Good. Thank Always goodness. a good thing. Yeah. <laughs>
but it was sustained 20s for a while. It was pretty much white capping at the opposite ending. Really? At that point, yeah. It was close. That lake, it, that lake's rough because it, it's catching everything <clears throat> from from just north of it. Yep, it's got the big water going on, and it stinks. And it's That was a heavy one today, and it was like pretty much right from the beginning, but you'd set up a drift, and it'd take you 15 minutes. You'd set up the next drift, it's taking you five. It's just cooking across there. Then you get down to the bottom, and you're in six, seven foot of water, and the weeds are straight to the top of it. You can't do nothing. Yeah. So it was like my wife was rowing, just blistering speed. <laughs> just front row. <laughs> but no, I'm done with this. No good fish moved. Everything was small, but it was nice to move some, move a lot of fish. Yeah. It was good to get some activity. Numbers are a good day. Mm-hmm. Number, yeah. Numbers days are fun. Other one I caught had definitely been caught before. Its mouth was beat bad. Like Someone poor. didn't have hook cutters? No, something. I don't know what they did, but they destroyed the poor thing. All right. Well, I think it's that time. Let's uh, let's go to break. We'll give old Dick a call. I saw Jace pulling in, so uh, we'll go to break and we'll be right back. And we are uh, Jace, back. Oh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I said Jace might have to talk up this time. I didn't hear half the stuff he asked me last time. I'm a loser. No, you're not. You're a cool dude. I'll speak louder. <laughs> there you go. So we're, we are recording, and we are back with Dick Gross. What's going on, brother? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening, man? What's going on? And we're back. Oh, so We're back. Where, where are you physically at at this current moment? buddy right now I, i'm at uh gate 28 b at the uh cincinnati northern kentucky airport right now so with as much time as you spend in airports have you found your favorite uh like fast food joint in a in an airport yes and no yes um here at cvg i like their they got a brewers bagels and if you come in the morning there's a redhead girl named sam who makes the experience everything like she'll take like 20 orders at once and knows every single person in line who's like, Oh, you got this. You got this. You got this. And doesn't write anything down. She just does her thing. So that's so far my favorite place. So out of everywhere I've been for Sam, yeah, she could do so name. many things in her life with a memory like that, but she chooses to make right? bangles. Yeah. Yeah. She's making people so happy makes, at the airport. She must make pretty good money, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Bagel making. So, uh, where where are we off to? Uh, I'm heading to Memphis, Tennessee. Any fishing in this? Uh, uh, I'm. I might get some fishing in tomorrow. Maybe. Uh, we'll, we will see. It's going to depend on the weather and how things go during the day while I'm there, and then from there off to Anaheim. Anaheim. How many licenses are yes. you currently carrying right now? Uh, right this minute, twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! That's great. <laughs> People uh, that it makes great. my three come, nothing. Come March is always a, a, a tough hit in the wallet. So with as much as you travel, can you write any of that shit off? Oh, I don't know. I never tried. I bet I could. I mean, if I could make my own LLC, yeah, then man. I probably could. I mean, I might as well. <laughs> It'd be worth a shot. Yeah, because I'm always having to buy a new line, gear, like everything. 
I should be able to do it. Why not? Why couldn't I? Right? Can't without, right? You can't without. What? You better talk to my mom. My mom knows how to get by shit like that, dude. <laughs> I'm He's got traveling expenses. <laughs> Full in the system since 83. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> so oh. let's, uh, let's talk. Uh, go back in time. Woo. And, okay. Uh, how far back can we go? Let's go to uh, Alaska. Ooh, okay. Yeah, we can go Alaska. That was a, a big bir- birthday for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I turned uh, 41. And since I turned 40 in the middle of the pandemic, we couldn't really do anything. Uh, I didn't know where I was going this year. Uh, my girlfriend and my sister and brother-in-law surprised me with an Alaska trip. They just said, okay, well, we're going to fly somewhere for your birthday, so just be ready. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like, I need to know where kind of where we're going, so I if we're going to be fishing, I need to make sure I have what I need. So they kind of, they kind of broke it out to me like the week before we left. So I ordered some new line and uh, off we went. It was, uh, it was awesome. It was my uh, 50th state as well. So I knocked all, I've got all 50 states under my belt now. So it was uh, definitely a special trip for sure. And the fishing was awesome too. So what, what, what month of the year did you go? Uh, we went in May. We went just before uh, the salmon started coming in. So we got there a little bit early, so we really didn't do any salmon fishing. Most of just fished like trout and uh, different species of trout. Got some grayling, got some white fish, tons of rainbows, uh, a couple Dolly Vardens, which I was pissed because my brother-in-law caught the Dolly Varden that hit my line and then shook it free, and then he threw right in the same spot and ate his and... He caught the fish. And was that the only Dolly Varden? That was the only one I found. Uh, and that was on my one of ones on my checklist. So like we went back. I think I, I I kept fishing that day, only hoping to catch another Dolly and didn't catch another one at all. I was so bummed about it, but you know, eh. Well that gives I'll you go reason, back again. That gives you reason to go back to Alaska. Yeah, the owner of the uh, guide service we went with, uh, I talked to him and he said, Well, you have to come up, we can do one of the flyouts. Like you hop in the helicopter, they fly you out somewhere and you like camp for a couple of days and then pick you up in the helicopter. And I was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to do this. You, you just tell me when I should come up and we're going to do this because it sounds awesome. Hell yeah, man. So the grayling, were you catching those on dry flies or that nymphin? What was the, uh, the we, were nymph- we were nymphin and uh, it was really funny because when I, where I was throwing, I found a nice little run. I had like a little hole, so I started throwing there, and I started catching whitefish. And then all of a sudden, I caught a couple trout, and then all of a sudden, it was the grayling. And it was a big grayling, too. And there were other gear guys, like, kind of around, and as they started seeing me catch fish, they started, like, creeping closer and closer and closer to me. And it was really weird. It was kind of freaking me out. It was like Pennsylvania on first day of trout. Uh, yes, yes, it is a whole lot like that where they're all kind of like, oh, they see you catch a fish and then they're like, oh, I'm going to go over here where he's catching fish and maybe I can pull some out of there. Yeah, there's nowhere, none where he is. Might as well go yeah, where exactly. you are. You were in the spot, dude. You're right in the spot. Yeah, I was, I was in the spot because no one else was catching fish. Like I was looking around as, you know, and I'd be pulling a fish out and I'd be looking around like no one else is catching fish. And then they're all like, every single one of them were standing, facing me, like casting and just watching what I was doing. So it kind of got a little weird. So speaking of that, how how is it in Alaska? How many people were you fishing around at any current moment? Uh, 
at one point, like when we first got to the, the first spot we went to, there was like two other guys and we were spread out pretty good uh, in this nice little run. And then uh, within like an hour and a half, two hours, like then there was like four or five more people showed up and it was like, they all wanted to fish the same little spot. It was really strange. Like I'm like, there's so much water like on this river that we're fishing. Like you guys can fish down there, up there. And like, but no, they all were like wanted to be right there. So we kind of got sick of getting crowded. So we left and went to another, we went to another stream and crowded uh, a little other bit people. more north. And there was like one guy there. And was it as, uh, as productive as an area? Oh yeah. Yeah. The guide that we were with was, uh, this was his first trip out, uh, taking customers. Uh, and he was new to Alaska. He was a guide out of Washington and my brother-in-law is brand new to fly fishing. Like never really casted before. So he was working a lot with him and the, the guide would be like, Oh, Dick, why don't you go up there? And, and fish, uh, see that run up there, go ahead and fish it. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, thanks, buddy. And I like, would go up, and I would ha- walk halfway across the stream, cast all the way to the other side to these fallen logs on the other side of the seam, and just nailing big rainbows. And he was just staring at me like, what the fuck? Like, I, how the hell do you know to read that? Like, I don't get it. Say <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's he come back. He came back to me, he was like, Where'd you find all those fish? I was, you were sitting there staring at me, watching where I was casted to. I'm like, dude, you just got to know how to read the water. Yeah, that that's half the uh, half the battle is reading the water and knowing where the fish are. Yeah, and he's just like, nah, just throw it into this. Like, I always catch them on this side of the bank, pretty close in, like two or three feet out. I was like, two or three feet out, like, I don't see any fish here. I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing like, there. Throw it to the other side, find a whole pocket full of them. Good to go. He did his job quite well. Handled it properly. He, you got sent to the right spot and caught all his fish he didn't know about. So, but you farmed them that's for true. him. So now, now he knows. <laughs> now he knows, and that's the dangerous part, part of it. He'll let you go back there another year, maybe. At least he could. He was a good net man, so that's good. So, <laughs> <laughs> he could catch a fish in a net. So you, you found some fish. Did you find yep. any uh, any of the the big mega flora, fauna like the uh, the grizzly bears and the the mountain sheep and stuff like that? No, but we found a fucking thousand moose everywhere. Moose like everywhere. Moose everywhere. Heck yeah! Have you seen moose like before? The, I've seen moose before, but like not like this. I mean, they were, <laughs> they were everywhere. They're like as bad as deer are for us. Okay. Like, that's how the moose were. Like, we were driving. We got up at, like, 4 a.m. in Homer and drove up to Willow, where we went fishing. And, uh, of course, it's before dawn, so you're driving. Sun goes down at midnight. It's really weird. But you'd be driving. There'd be, like, five or six moose on the side of the road, like, waiting to cross. Or you'd have to, like, you just see them everywhere. Like, everywhere. And I couldn't believe it. And they're big. Like, moose are really big. <laughs> You yeah, you're one of those things. <laughs> you don't say. Nah. So kind of, it's kind of intimidating. So you've been to all 50 states now. Yep. Is Alaska on the top of the bucket list to go back to? Yeah, Alaska's up there again, for sure. What? Yeah, I'd say it's probably the number one to back go back to right now. It's it's the top of the list. 
Yes. Oh yeah. Cool. What What's up with it? What's up with it? Yeah. I mean, uh, what what other states are up with Alaska? Oh, what other ones? Um, I'm gonna say like Connecticut. With go out fishing again with Captain Pete. I'm gonna say Pennsylvania. Go fish with some guys I know up there. Those guys are like turds. Like the, like the Shenango <laughs> Valley. I think that's where they're at. Um, I would say going back to Montana was fun too. Like I'd like to go back to Montana again. Cool, man. Well, hey, that's really it. I mean, like Hawaii is really weird to fish. Um, the flats there are really difficult to get to at some time, you know, some parts. Um, but I wouldn't mind going back there again. Well, coming back to Pennsylvania seems like it's going to be happening relatively soon. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like n- not this week, but next week. Oh, you know what I forgot to tell you guys? Congratulations on 250 episodes. So you know how big of a loser I am? How much? We're on 255. I just was <laughs> five weeks late posting. You're going to be for certain. That's because you're, you're, you're too busy with your food <laughs> pictures on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, That's I, what it is. I was scrolling through it, seeing how I can make a new podcast or doing something. I was like, oh, we, we've reached 250 shows. I should, you know, post this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should. Oh, man, that's funny. I'm only five, like a little over a month late. Yeah, that's all right, though. At least you're there. But thank you. That's all that matters. You're welcome. So uh, I'm, trying not, I'm trying to be quiet and not disturb the other passengers in this airport. <laughs> <laughs> fuck kind of em. hard because I like to I talk I like to be animated while I'm talking. In my own speakerphone, fuck them. No, you're, you're, bro, you're on my you're on my earbuds. Okay, I travel in style. <laughs> cool, cool, man. So, uh, you're coming back to see us here next week. Yep. And then we're gonna go That's fishing. Be awesome. we'll, we'll have some tales to tell. And then, oh uh, yeah, we will. Let Let's hear a little bit of tales about Captain Pete, man. We talked oh. to him. That dude seems oh. like a, he seems like a ball. How is it to fish with okay. Captain Pete? I love fishing with him. He's just as passionate about fishing as I am. Like, you hit that water, and then next thing you know, like it's like, okay, you ready? Let's let's go find these fish. Let's get on them. And both him and I both will fish until we can't fish anymore. So usually, he we were talking. He was like, yeah, usually when I go out, it's like people are say like a oh, half day. His half days are like almost like a full day, honestly. So as long as you don't have like a time constraint to fish with them, like fishing with him is a blast. Like I have so much fun fishing with him. Like we just have a great time. Um, Guido Pete is uh, definitely one of my favorite guys to fish with. I will say that. So when you went fishing He's, with them, you were you were fishing for stripers. We were fishing for stripers. Yep. We went. Uh, I've been out with them twice, and this week instead of going to Anaheim. I originally was going to go back to New Jersey, so I let him know, like, hey, I'm going to be in Jersey. Let's let's go fishing again. And um, then that, that all got changed, so now I'm going to Anaheim instead. Um, but, yeah, fishing with him is so much fun. Like, I recommend anybody and everybody go fishing with him. If, but, but if you ain't cool, you ain't going to be able to fish with him. <laughs> I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, some guys are, like, really, like, adamant about fishing with people that are real cool to hang out with, like, that's kind of how he is. Like I have a great time fishing with him because we have a blast and bullshit the whole time we're fishing and we just don't stop. It's just constantly go, 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 go. And you're two peas of two peas in a pod. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, uh, and you what, get to the point where, what would you say, Jason? 
I'm speaking in while you're telling a story. You finish. I'll ask. No, you go ahead. Well, um, what were you throwing out there? What what flies were you throwing? What setups? What? So we were throwing. Oh, too bad is too bad. Jay's not there. You know. Oh, we I'm here. Throwing game. Oh, we were throwing game changers. Fuck that guy. Believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> game changers all the time. You didn't buy the book though, Damn right? right? Damn right, man. <laughs> So we were throwing game changers, and then uh, after catching a couple on the fly, we switched over to gear because, like the first time we went, we were we were fishing like a channel, so getting the fly down fast enough into that channel for the because we were letting it float a little bit and bringing it back real slow, getting it down enough fast enough was a little bit hard. So we went we switched over to gear, uh, throwing some like little paddle tails. And the gear, it, it definitely is easier to work through the through the channels with the ripping current. Yeah, yeah, definitely is because you you want it you want it to stay at a constant like depth and speed as you're pulling through and like so doing the fly is kind of tricky um, because if you if, when you pull it it doesn't want to like stay in a constant angle because the rip you're having to go a lot faster with the current to get it back to you um, but then when you're throwing the gear you can just keep reeling 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 and it's coming in at a constant speed so. But on the fly, we got it done. We got it done on the fly. So, twice now. On the fly, were you throwing mus- on the fly? Were you throwing musky sized uh, rods and heavy sink lines? No, I was throwing. Uh, we were just throwing uh, seven weight, seven or eight weight, um, and then just throwing. Like I was throwing in my streamer. Was that streamer max? Airflow streamer max. So it was sinking line, um, but then. Pete was saying, like, last time I went up there, he said topwater was starting to kick off a little bit, so I brought some floating line with me last time. But there was a cold front that came in and scattered the fish, and we couldn't find the fish. Like, it took, we were out for probably six hours until we finally found a couple fish feeding, but they were just small little schoolies, you know, 12 and 14 inches. But, hey, at least we caught some fish, you know. Yeah, man. Hey, the only saltwater stripers I ever caught were about that size. Hey, hey. They're still a blast. Oh, it was like, a, they're so much fun. It was a goddamn hoot. Because like you, if you watch them, like if you, they're a lot like musky. You can see them chasing your fly in, and then you can go. I've got one on the eight. Because I actually threw threw an eight in there, and it ate on the eight. That's which super was hilarious. Cool. So speaking of the muskies, have you been doing any musky uh, musky fishing recently? So actually, last week, well, this week, I was in uh, Eastern Ohio for work. I did a lot of scouting uh, while I was there. The guys, uh, the shop I was at, they're mostly catfish and bass guys. So they were very easy to come off the musky information to me. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, they say, well, throw, do you have a boat? I said, I have a little small inflatable boat. I got my Jet John. I've got a kayak. They're like, great. Hit this little creek and they're like popping open maps. And they're like, go here, go over here, go over here. I'm like, oh, thanks. I'm going to write this down so I know where to go now. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you go? Bait shop. So I've got some. What's that? You go to bait shop. Is that where you bait shop? What do I? Is that where you got the oh, information? Huh? You just slipped into a bait shop and no. rubbed rubbed elbows with some guys. The machinist that he no. Was... <laughs> yeah, it was the machinist at the uh, shop I was working at installing yeah. a new machine. Even better. Local intel. So speaking of oh, that, yeah. you you messaged Jay and Jason myself about an inflatable. 
Uh, oh yeah. Have you got a new inflatable, or have you de- decided what style of boat you're going to go with? Yeah, I ordered a. Uh, I went with a Saturn, but I went with a dinghy style, so it's got the hard transom in the back. It's only a nine and a half foot boat. Um, I like this style better because it allows me to put a trolling motor or a gas engine on the back and not have to worry about trying to buy other mounts and shit to, to mount on it. I was going to recommend, um, I was going to recommend that I got jerked on one. I tried to order off the internet and it was like wish or something. I should have read more, but it, it was yeah, the same I, deal with the, the hard back and yeah, shit. one rower seat and like a front type deal or, uh, this one's got, uh, yeah, pretty much, but I don't know if it has the uh, order locks on it, or I'm sure you can mount some on there. But uh, I got it from where did I order it from. I ordered it from Boats to Go, so yeah, I think it was like only 500 bucks. I said I'll take it. Um, travel with it more. My other boat just had too many holes in it. My inflatable, and it was time for that one to uh, deflate, disappear for a while. So what? Now you and Dave have matching Saturns. No, Dave's got a nine and a half foot like raft raft. You know, you can put a frame on and everything. But isn't it a Saturn um, as well? What's that? Isn't his a Saturn as well? Yes, it is a Saturn. Yeah. yeah. His is one of the one of the blue Saturns. Mine is gray. Oh. It's all about the gray life. The gray. I know. That's why my old boat was gray. My old uh my old inflatable was gray and this new one is too. The gray scale. Oh yes. So, Dick, is there anything that we haven't hit on that we should be hitting on to, to, uh, to hold us over until next month? Let's see. Uh, I think, man, I don't know. Like, there, I've done so much stuff in the since the last time I've talked to you guys, fishing wise, like places I've been. It's uh, it's been wild. Oh, we uh, we had the musky fly swap earlier oh, yeah. this year. How how'd that go? How'd it? that turn out? <sighs> Man, it was awesome. We had 53 people in the swap this year at six flies a piece. So my house was full of over, I don't know, almost like a thousand flies. Well, more than almost 2,000 flies because six a piece, 50, you know, somewhere in there. I don't know. A lot. There's a lot of flies there. But it would turn out, turnout was really good. I was really surprised at uh, some of the quality of the flies coming in. Years past have been kind of hit or miss with, with quality of flies thrown in the swap. I think a lot of guys got disappointed in it too, uh, but this year was uh, was a good year for the swap. So next year, hopefully, it'll be even better. So how many states of people uh, were involved? This this year we had six guys from Canada, uh, mostly around the Ontario Quebec area. Um, we had Pennsylvania, Tennessee. Kentucky, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. That's mostly about about it, really. It wasn't a lot of guys like on the you know further out, but it was mainly like you know most of your listeners live in these areas, and that's most of the guys who participated this year. Were there any familiar names in there? Oh yeah, there are plenty of familiar names. Uh, Petruzzi was in there. His flies looked awesome. Yeah, Dom ties uh, a nice fly. What's that? Don't tell him that. I, no, I said Dom. <laughs> you don't have to, but it is pretty good. Dom ties a nice fly. Oh yeah. Um, let's see. Weights and measures was in there. Um, and there were a bunch of there were so many people in there. I can't remember half the half the names anymore. So are you? 
with it growing and expanding the way it is, are you still going to continue to run it? You think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, it was, it was really tough this year just because uh, there were just so many people and finding time with buying the house and getting it going. It, you know, I had like, I think I was laid on getting them out by like two weeks, but they got to everyone's house pretty fast after that. We only had one mess up with a wrong address, but it, it was uh, resolved pretty quickly. It just got delivered across the street instead of at the guy's house. Oh, geez. So that was, that wasn't a big deal. It was all right. It worked out. So he got his flies. being, being two weeks late, did you get any, uh, any Karens bitching and pissing and moaning? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I had to. I had to pull a Karen on a couple of Canadian guys, though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to speak to the manager. Because, <laughs> it's because, like, in shipping, you have to put down like your phone number for the receiver. And I'm like, yo, like, I need your phone. I need your. I need your phone numbers like now. I'm trying to ship all your stuff. And like, one of the dudes like texts me back like a week and a half later, like, oh, hey, sorry, I just got your message. I'm like, what? That's like, the, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not how cell phones uh, work. I, right? That's how Messenger goes right to your phone, right? Yeah. For the right people. I will give him, I'm, I'm the worst with Messenger. Uh, yeah, I don't talk to you in Messenger, so. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how bad you are there. It's worse than I text. I just text you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I got your phone number, buddy. Don't give it out over air, please. I don't. I'd, I'd have to look up my phone and go to my contacts and look. I'm not going to go through all that. Do you, you know how many dick pics I get <laughs> from people? Well, every once in a while, every oh, <laughs> from other people besides me. No, I mean pictures from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my name. That's why when everybody says, "Oh, the same dick pic." Exactly. Oh, yeah, like just a picture of me. You mean? Oh yeah, no problem. It just throws people you. off. <laughs> hey, babe, we're gonna get dick pic. Oh. Uh. And then when I send dick pics, my wife gets super mad when I send pictures to Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this dick pic. I mean, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, send us some uh, <sighs> some of them scenery photos, man. We'd like to see them. Scenery photos from where? Maybe like, Alaska. Name the state. I'll send you some. Maybe Alaska. We, we haven't been there, bro. Nope. I'll send you some Alaska ones because we were down in Homer, so we got to see like some of the mountains. We went hiking uh, in like May, mid-May, and there was still like, I'm not kidding, the snow was at least two and a half feet deep. So it was uh, it was a no hike day because you'd be trying to hike and you'd fall down. Just like, post hole. hole. Just post them. I will. I'll no, post them up. No, you would post hole, like when your foot breaks through the top of the snow and post holes down. Oh yeah, and that was like every step. Yeah, because it was all starting to melt. So, yeah, it was cool. We saw some really huge rabbits. Probably hairs. they weren't like Arctic rabbits; they're like regular rabbits, but they're they're fucking massive. <laughs> Biggest rabbits I've ever seen. <laughs> Godzilla and a rabbit had sex and made these things. I, it, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised because they were fucking huge. <laughs> did they have? Did they have the horns on them? Jackalope. No, they weren't jackalopes. Oh. Those would be in the desert. Oh, okay. Is that the jackalope's natural habitat? <laughs> the desert. Yeah, it's the desert. Don't you remember? I think it was it Super Dave Osborne always talked about the jackalopes. Was that what it was? I think it was Super Dave. But then was the, it Super Dave Osborne? My first experience with jackalopes was America's Funniest Home Videos. Okay. Yeah. Because every week they'd have a little jackalope clip. 
That's right, they did. Yeah, back when and they, that... had, the, and they had the little animation with the that's so uh, with 90s, the voice, guys. which I think was uh, uh, what's the dude's name? Dave. Uh, he was on Full House. Uh, Uncle Joey. On yeah, Uncle House. Joey. What was yeah. his? What was I, his? Uh, I'll tell name? you, Dave Coulier. Uh, Dave yeah, Coulier. Yeah, because he dated. Yeah. He dated Elias Morissette. Yeah, I thought, yeah. You guys yeah, he know did, too much. He did a Jackalope skit, and I think they used his voice for the Jackalope uh, on things. I think you're correct. Good old cable. <laughs> no, that was on the big three, man. That was like CBS or ABC. I think it was ABC. It definitely wasn't NBC. Know. It's too high class for NBC. That's right. <laughs> well, we wish you we wish you all kind of luck when you get to your next destination and be safe out there traveling. Catch some fish for us if you get to go tomorrow. I will do, I will do my best, boys. All righty, Dick. Hey, thank you very much, and we will talk to you again first weekend of you, next month. Oh, yeah. You got it, guys. Uh, sooner Stay fresh. Than that, Can't wait to fish. Yeah. See you, man. See you, guys. <laughs> and we are back with Tim Lynn Weir from Tightline Fly Fishing Company. What is going on, buddy? Not much. How are you doing, guys? Oh, we're doing good today. We're doing good. actually great because we're getting to talk to you about some of our favorite <laughs> fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I look I look forward to it. There's a lot to talk about, guys. Yeah. So um, we were talking off air. You're just getting out of your pre-spawn uh, fishing season. So yep. how how did pre-spawn treat you guys this year? Pre-spawn was pre-spawn was good. Um, you know, we, we start the first Saturday in May. Traditionally, our season is now open the, the whole year now, but we've always started that first Saturday in May. And uh, we started this year for the first time in a very long time with low water and kind of like a regular spawn. Um, we had a real spike in temperature that got fish. Uh, moving around really fast and then a very cool drop after that and it kind of took all those fish that were in that pre-spawn mode and moved them around but uh we figured it out and luckily this year it was a really cool season for me because i was up there for about two weeks and i got to see kind of the whole progression on to like where i saw actually females starting to come up on nests and it, it was neat to see the whole thing kind of play out in that two, uh, two and a half week course so the pre-spawn fish what what are your tactics to target those fish and what are, what are some temperature ranges that you're looking for for pre-spawners? Yeah, for sure. Well, where we guide in North, Northeastern Wisconsin, a lot of that water comes out of really cold stuff. So we start way later than a lot of guys like, like you guys and some guys in Michigan, because when we're starting pre-spawn, sometimes we're seeing temperatures still at 39 degrees where we're not even seeing fish really dispersed from winter holding water yet. And that's challenging because that's deep jigging stuff, 10, 12 foot straight um, uh, floral leaders and, and basically jig fishing in some of that deep, slow water. Once the water for us hits like 42, 45, we'll start to see that dispersion. And that dispersion means that those fish will actually actively start seeking out some of those true pre-spawn spots, which are going to be your back bays, your sunnier sides, you know, where, where they're going to do their business. And we'll see the river start to fill up with those fish trickling down from reservoirs and deep water hangouts. So that's kind of how we start. And as the pre-spawn moves along, once we see that dispersion of those fish, we can almost immediately go from jigging tactics right to bait fish. 
um, you know, Murdich's, Bartomino's, uh, Changer's, stuff like that, and fishing those on like Titan Intermediates. And as soon as I start getting bites where the fly hits the water and you get two bumps, I'm like the first guy to put a popper on. So I got my first <laughs> popper fish this year at 48 degrees. <laughs> That's insane. I haven't got one yet. Er, I got, <laughs> I got large. You got a top. You got to tie them on to do it, though. You got to actually be fishing one. Are got, you fishing one? I got a large mouth across the street at the farm pond, but not a oh, not a okay. small mouth he, yet. You gave it a whirl the other day, or uh, what? Two weeks ago now. Yeah, I did for a moment. Didn't didn't full, <laughs> didn't full heartedly that fish might be it. The but problem, bro. I I got a <laughs> few moment. on top water. I got a few. I I ain't shy to try it, man. That's that's way funner, right? Well, here here's the crazy thing, fellas, about the pre spawn. In that top water bite that happens, I think what happens for all of us, especially guys like you who are very experienced in this game of smallmouth fishing, uh, somewhat experienced. Is, well, I'm going to give you it. I'm going to give it to you. But you know, you 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 start fishing these fish, and you have such great success with bait fish patterns and in that mid column that it's really hard to change it up. The pre spawn bite to a popping bug is the coolest bite maybe in the smallmouth game to me. Because it's in quarter time. Um, the fish, you got to fish the right water. It's that dead stuff that you know that they're just held up and staging in. And the fish comes up at like quarter speed. And it is so rad because you actually see, you know, that copper side. Like it, it's like somebody hit slow-mo on your phone. So it's it's super cool. And it, it's, it's incredibly effective in some of those areas because some of those fish, that our followers, I've talked to guys in the last couple of weeks, like, yeah, I'm having fish, like follow my fly, follow my fly, follow my fly, and then drop it. Like they won't eat it. A popper gives that opportunity to just hang there in that, in, in that time frame so long that a lot of times those followers, even on a bait fish will eat the popping bug. So when you're in pre-spawn mode and throwing poppers, are you throwing yeah. a popper and dead drifting it and just, yeah. Yeah, her, I mean it's it's yep, let 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 its legs legs move, but each pop is deliberate. It's not like a big gabluk, like like you're fishing a frog or a diving frog or something like that. It's the gabloop and then let it roll, you know, and um, they'll almost eat it always on the dead. Okay. And uh, we've been noticing that a lot a lot lately uh with the minnow bite or the baitfish bite is they're yeah. hitting it on the paws. You get the long yeah. pause and they're coming up and crushing it then. Yep. Yep. They they want a longer look. You know, in the saltwater game, everybody's like, keep it moving. In the smallmouth game, it's like, stall it. Yeah, exactly. Have you found different flies that stall better for you? Yes. Like, um, I'll be honest, and it's a real simplistic fly, like, Blaine Chocolate's a good friend of mine, and like I love his changer. Everybody loves the changer; it's as good as it gets. But no matter how you strip a changer, the fly fishes kind of fast because yes. of the articulation and the action. Even when you stall it, like it's it's wiggling. You yeah. know, I mean, like it, it just by design. But to be honest, for like stall flies, I, I I'll still take like a Murdich on a tip. Really? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, because that, it stalls completely. It does almost nothing when it stalls. You, I hate to say it. You know what I found that I love and it's stalling perfect is the What's sw- that? the swing and D. That would that would do it too because it's just two joints and two foam heads and like yeah, it's not going to do a whole lot until you engage with you know tension on it. So, and man, 
and now you're coming into the pre or uh, into the spawn and yep how do you yep. how do you keep an eye on the fish and know when when you want to cut it off well what we'll see is like we'll see we'll see beds far before we see fish on beds typically you know and like we saw that this year we saw like nest builders that cold snap the males came off and like, like I, I was going like without customers down pieces of water just to kind of look and um, you could see that. But I knew that there were fish 10 feet out off of those that were like staging the cold temperatures, drop them off of that ledge a little bit. Um, and then and then what will happen is, you know, we'll start seeing nesters. And when we start seeing nesters, um, those females are not on the nest for a terribly long period of time. We just try to avoid all those areas if our pre-spawn kind of cuts into, into that time or at least fish top water patterns through some of that water that could potentially be that just so I'm not dropping it on a bed. And this, this is weird. I'm thinking about our, our area. Um, yeah. How, how clear is your water? Because we can't see the bottom in a foot and a half yeah. of water. You know what I mean? That's a challenge fellas. Like that, that's a different game. You know, our water is, is clear. It's red tannins, but it's still clear. Like I can, I can, if I stand on my rower seat, I can, I mean, I can see, you know, 40 feet to a bank. Okay. So, so that's, that. Yeah, that's tougher. You guys know it though. You know, those rivers, you know, your watersheds, you know, some of those high traffic spawning areas and stuff like that. Just, you know, I, I my, my suggestion is just kind of try to, Stay away from some of that when you know that the heat's on, when you, you, you know it's going down. Kind of let them be, man. Yeah, yeah, if you can. I mean, if you can, that's it's a naturally reproducing fish. And, uh, you know, if, if we can do our best to avoid some of those areas just so they can do their business, that's pretty cool. And uh, one more thing about the pre-spawn. Uh, you were talking about the jig flies Yeah. before they start hitting the swim flies. Yep. Are you, are you fish? Uh, excuse me. Are you fishing those on floating lines and just big, long leaders? Yes. I'll, I'll tell you, like, and we have a chapter in our smallmouth book about it, and it's it's really effective, and it's nothing that we developed, you know, like Tim Holschlag and some of these guys have been doing this for years. But the fi- the thing that we find with, like, like an S2 or an S4 or S3, S5 sonar heads or any of those sinking lines is the line itself, when it's underwater, has an incredible amount of impact. The current has a, an incredible amount of impact on the line itself. So we're fishing full floating lines, but it's it's shitty to cast. But, you know, you're fishing 10 and 12 foot, like 2X floral off of that. But what you end up getting with that 2X floral versus maxima is the diameter cuts through the water column really quick. And it gets that fly down there really fast if you're fishing heavier you know, jig style patterns, Menominee mud bugs, stuff like that, uh, meat whistles, that type of thing, near enough crayfish. But it allows you to have like a direct contact on that. And you can watch the tip of your floating line and you make a bump. You don't fish a dead drift. You fish it down and across a little bit. You can have a little belly in there, but you bump it maybe a foot and watch the tip of the line a foot and they just pick it up slow. It's a micro bite, but that's how we get them. And we crush them that way. So you're not feeling the bump bump? Like, like you would Some, sometimes, but sometimes I, I, I'd say 50% of the lot time I see the line before I know I got a bite. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. That, that's yeah. I cool. mean, it, it's really effective. It, we've tried all the sinking lines during that time and it works, 
but it has to be a fairly active fish to run that down because that fly line is making that fly do stuff. Yeah. Whereas the floating line with just a 12 foot of fluoro is yeah. just, yep. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's like just, nymphing. it's for, as close nymphing. to jigging as you can get. Yeah. You might as well have a jigging pig with a, a baitcaster, right? It'd be, it'd, it'd be easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would yeah be. I should. <laughs> I <just laughs> a well. net rig or I don't know, something cool like that. <laughs> yeah, why do we do this? <laughs> I don't know. We're just gluttons. It's just dumb. But it's super cool when you when it does come together and uh, works out. It does. And and in in the smallmouth world, you know, I've been doing this for a very very long time, and I would say in the last ten years, the amount of information from other outside influences and things like it's going quick. And there's some really cool stuff out there right now. Like it's 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 making it cooler. Do you find that a high tide raises all ships with the smallmouth? And the more, sure. the more that people are learning and knowing, the more it's helping everyone. Absolutely, because you've got you know I look at our guide crew and our smallmouth book was written pretty much from our guide crew's knowledge and you know everybody's information compiled over beers at the end of the night and stuff like that. And you know when you have a collective of guys like from we got where you guys are from from michigan from from uh, you know minnesota wisconsin you know you've got guys that are sharing all sorts of cool little tidbits that are just little nuggets and everybody thrives off of that yeah absolutely so and and, and you know the thing about bass fishing and smallmouth fishing is it was kind of one of those games where when people started it we took trout techniques of woolly buggers and stuff or You'd fish a popper and you just bang the banks all day, and that's all there was to it. Well, that rabbit hole is a lot deeper now, a lot deeper. So do you think that the fish have gotten smarter since since you just started pounding the banks, or are you just finding way more fish now that you're using other techniques? Oh, that's a really tough question because <laughs> in, my heart, oh, in my heart of hearts, when the, when the Murdich minnow came out, Bart was the first guy to start fishing that minnow pattern. It was a striper pattern. I think I told you guys yeah, the story you told years ago. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. A couple, last season. But um, when the Murdich first came out, that was like the first big streamer any anybody was fishing for smallmouth. That was like pre-changer, pre, you know, I mean, that was 20 years ago. And um, we could go down the river even on like the best popper day, and I'd still fish double Murdiches and just whale on them all day now even game changers even murdiches any of the big streamer patterns any of that kind of stuff mid column stuff i get far more followers now and and we're not pounding our river it's like one boat in a day over eight miles so it's not it's not like the big horn or something that sees 300 boats but like they've 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 changed they've changed you guys have caught them man (laughs) I know, I know yeah. we have. Like, 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 I've caught them from egg to twenty inches now over these times. You know, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> that is cool. You've been a, a whole generation of smallmouth. Yeah, yeah, a, a generation of trophy smallmouth. I've gotten to guide now. So that's super whenever cool. we have a good spawn year, I'm like, God damn it, I gotta wait twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, back to that original Murdish minnow that you guys were throwing mm-hmm. back in the day, the big one that you were saying. Yeah. What, yeah. what size was that in comparison to what we're throwing now? And like, what size hook were you guys tying that, that on? 
it was it was small in comparison to some of the stuff like the changers come in finesse changers and then you know six ten inch changers too um but that was tied originally on a tmco 811s size two saltwater hook so the two was pretty big for a saltwater hook but like the fly itself was still only i don't know five six inches long you know with its bucktail and stuff oh but it was it, it but it was still way bigger than like like we were throwing woolly buggers and stuff. Like uh, I mean, that tequilas were as crazy as we got back then. Oh, uh, that's fine. When you said two, I was like, that fly is gonna be like three inches long. You know? No, but, no. The, the hook, the hook size is skewed a little bit on the saltwater platform. You know, okay. it's it's a little bigger hook. Yeah, because I've been tied, I tied on a four odd hook, and the hook is just so goddamn heavy. And then you right. put a rattle in it, and it just it doesn't act the way I wanted it to. Yep, 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 and and that hook is an important aspect to a lot of those bait fish patterns because we find that if you add cone heads, lead eyes, and stuff like that, it takes a swim out of it. You know, it doesn't do what you talked about earlier with that flare or that kick. Yeah, or the pause or the stall. Yep, yep, it dies, and I don't want that. I just want it to hang. So we're we're into the spawn right now, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, my, my spawn is done now. Like I, I'm, I'm officially pretty much done. I'm all, I'm, I'm kind of at that post spawn and I've got guys working again. And you're, so I just finished up. You're going to start guiding again for the fish and yep. Yep. They're, they're back on the rivers. And what have you guys been doing on the break? Um, I'm drinking beer and working <laughs> in the fly shop. That's what I'm doing. So and cutting wood. Nice. So, yeah. You're preparing for winter already. Yeah, yeah, I got a long winter ahead of me. But no, yeah, we we take we take some time off, or you know, on occasion we'll we'll just drop a boat in, and it, it's fun to fish like poppers without hooks on them and stuff. Like it's pretty cool to see like how long will they hold that popper for? You're like the old steelhead guys that swing the mur- uh, the muddler minnows yeah. with no hooks. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you just want to see the nibble. <laughs> I just want to see the bite. You know. You guys have caught a lot of smallmouths. Sometimes it's just it's fun to see the bite. Yeah, you get everything. You never but... miss. You never miss one. Then. <laughs> no, you don't. That's genius. Got five. Yeah, I'm got batting five a thousand beats. like got on all beats. of my spawn trips. Yeah, man, you get everything but the picture out of them, right? That's great. You there? Yeah, I'm oh, here. Okay. Yeah, you get everything but the picture out of the fish when uh, when you don't have hooks. That's it. Absolutely. So, yeah, but now we're, we're getting after it again. And then I start back up on Monday and a couple of my guys started up the last couple of days and they're already catching some post spawn females, which is always nice. Cause I don't know if you guys see the same thing, but right after the pa- the spawn, you kind of see like a weird pause in there or you're just kind of catching smaller males and they might not even be just nest garters. They're just smaller males because the females are recovering. Yeah, you know, they need a little bit. Yeah, we we run into the same thing. Yep, yep. And uh, the females we're catching are floppy and pretty ugly, and they've got a little bit of a mucus on them. You know, we talked about that a little bit. You, you can you can tell they've gone through some rigors. So, but uh, but they're biting again. And what is your tactic for this period? Like just post spawn, are you you fishing swim flies? You fishing something dragon? Yeah. No, I, I, I still, 
dredging is just something that like I, I do when like I've got to like, in the winter. I, it, it, yeah, I, it, it's super effective all summer long and you can cover so much water by doing it effectively. But it's just it, it, I just don't like doing it. Um, it's just not as enjoyable to me. But any of your bait fish or swim flies right now, that game is going to be back on. And our top water game is like, I talked to the boys who were out yesterday, and I'd say 90% of their fish were up top all day. Really? Are they throwing wigglies yep. or are they throwing poppers? Or? Uh, well, this is an interesting thing. We should talk about this, too. Um, they're fishing poppers, you know, boogle bugs and stuff. And we'll use the, the bigger boogle bug earlier. And then as the water recedes, we'll start microing it down just a little bit to the, that next size down in the boogle. But right now, and I don't know if you guys see it, but it's a really important part for us. Usually marking the first part of June, we see the big giant dragonfly migration on the river. And they're the big Odonata. I mean, it's, it's, they're giant. They're yellow and black. They're, you know, four inches, five inches long. Yeah. I saw a couple of them today. Yeah. And it, 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 it's not something that you just pick out and notice a ton, but on some of the boat ramps, we'll see some of the husks. But what our guys do right now, and Charlie, who's worked for me for, you know, 17, 18 years, she's got a fly for Montana Fly. It's Charlie's Dragonfly Dropper, and it's a dragonfly nymph that's weighted just right that we fish that dragonfly nymph off of a boogle bug 12 inches below that. And um, I'd say seven out of 10 bites are coming on the dragonfly right now really? over the boogle. Yeah. So, so kind of a popper dropper situation. Here's a weird question for you. How many bycatch yeah. carp do you catch on that dragonfly? How many, what's that? How many bycatch carp do you catch on that dragonfly? The, None. We, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of carp. I mean, we've got some, but like we, we're not lucky like you guys to have a bunch of them, but it would be really cool. Yeah, man. The, but that would be killer for them around here yeah oh i bet it would yeah give that a shot because i've had a couple of days with with clients before where we're fishing that popper with that dropper on it and we're just fishing flats and you can see fish milling around and you'll actually see them grab the dragonfly you'll see it you'll you'll see them grab the nymph and then the popper will just disappear yeah yeah popper runs or sometimes we've gotten doubles i think last year i got a double i got two 17s which if you want like a fight like a dropper, and then the other popping bug was underwater, and another one grabbed it. And we landed two seventeens. <laughs> it was it was it was mayhem. That sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. Were they both jumping at the same time, or one was jumping and one was diving? And <laughs> I, I I just kept telling them, I'm like, like just keep your tip really low, because like if you know, like you just got to keep this slack out of them, because if they if one jumps, like we're gonna break the other one off. Yeah, yeah. It's just, but. Yeah, so that does happen where you break them off because that lighter tip it's a little bit, a little bit weaker to the dragon. So here's a question for you, and I I ran into this yeah. today fishing the farm pond. When you're fishing top water, what mm -hmm. what pound test are you you throwing? For top water, I, yeah. I'm fishing like during during the summer months. I'm fishing like eight and ten pound maxima chameleon. Okay, I was throwing six uh, pounds. I was yep. throwing six pound today, and I had yeah. a bass come and crash my popper and. I set the hook and popped it right off. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I we, I'm, I'm finding, you know, eight and 10 pound maxima is still kind of our staple and in our tannin waters. That chameleon is a good color. It's kind of that tannin color. Um, and then during the wiggly bite, when we start transitioning it to shallow shell fishing, 
sight fishing long, uh, shallow flats and stuff, and the wiggly bite's really strong, um, I might go to like one X floral. Okay. You know, just so I get better action out of the wiggly. And you like fishing floral, even though it, it sinks a little bit. You know, the wiggly is all foam. So it's like, I can't it, notice it. It like, doesn't it, matter. It, it doesn't. No, it does. And, and, and it's not a full floral leader. I'm, I might be fishing, you know, two feet a tippet to, you know, my bass leader. So my entire leader length is still only eight or nine feet. So yeah, I don't notice any difference on that, on that bug at least. Okay. And are, are you still fishing out with like a big bass size rod or you, you throw in the wiggly on a, on like a trout size dry fly rod? No, we're still, we'll still float, float fishing all the wiggly patterns on seven and eight weights because like last year we got a 22 on a wiggly, you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, we get some giants and, the six weight we just find once the anchor is dropped and we're trying to get the fish, it's a rodeo. And there's a lot of guys that like it, it, it's a struggle to get a, a giant smallmouth in with an anchor dropped with it, a six weight. It is pulling it back, yep. pulling back against current is definitely hard. Mm-hmm. For sure. So are, when do you guys, are you still doing the, uh, your guides go into a, a secluded trailer and just camp out for, for a time. Uh, it, we, we've dumped the trailer a number of years ago, but there, that period of time was there were, I think five of us living in a 14 foot Terry trailer. <laughs> and then when the two dogs came along, it was like, there was a dude sleeping on the floor, handing beers out of the cooler around. Like What's his name, it, Dave, it was really cool for like a season, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you're over. <laughs> <laughs> so now, now what we do is, where we live, we have an old ranger station. So I think the last 10 years we've had this ranger station where all of our guides live up there. You know, we've got showers, air conditioning, running water, some of those niceties. It's good. So you have air conditioning, unlike your camp that you're at now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it's like a hundred right here. I I can tell the, uh, the birds are out in full force. Can you hear the birds? We can. It sounds awesome. Yeah. I, I'm just piping in that background music for a fact. I thought it'd be nice. Crickets, be a nice crickets on CD. Th- that's your white noise. That's my white noise. <laughs> it's an app. There's an app for it. That was a beer I just opened. Good. I, I'm totally empty right now. I gotta get up and get one. But uh, that's fair. <laughs> so, you've been a uh, you've been out mushroom hunting a little bit. Yes. Um, we struggled where, where our camp is. It's it's near Viroqua, the, the Driftless area here. We struggled with the morels, but we've got golden oysters that are popping like crazy. So I've harvested a bunch of golden oysters. Our families are foragers. So we make nettles tea and eat stinging nettles and, you know, harvest all sorts of weird stuff off the land. So, yeah, this is definitely harvesting season. So stinging stinging nettles. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute because. (laughs) I knew I would stop you there. Because I have a hate relationship with them. Yeah, because it's, it's a terrible, terrible plant. There's right. nothing worse than having a great day floating and then at the takeout just getting your legs chewed up and you're itching for a week. Yeah, right. There's there's nothing you can do other than just long pants. I don't have a solution. I don't have like a magic magic pill for you on it. It's just bad stuff. But, but is there something you can do to protect yourself when you're going out to harvest them? You know what I do? Like I, I can pinch the top leaves off. You take the top tender leaves and you can pull them off gently and i don't need gloves and it doesn't seem to affect me that way if you brush against it 
it's got little microbarbules underneath it that you know that's where the irritant comes from but you know if i can grab them individually it's not a big deal and then once you cook them like if you boil them like you were going to do like boiled spinach or something like that with butter and salt and pepper it's it's so good i mean it's it's absolutely spectacular and there's two types of nettles we've got like the, the standard stinging nettles and then we have the wood nettle which has got a more rounded leaf but still just as delicious but yeah it's it's fun it's fun doing some of that kind of stuff in the off season were you into that stuff before your kids came around yes yeah i i grew up in a in a family my dad and i used to harvest wild ginseng and you know we were always mushroom hunters foragers my great or my grandmother was so yeah i grew up doing all that that's cool uh i'm i'm new into it and have done it since, yeah. since my son's been like five so that's for awesome. the last two years and him him and i do it and i i always describe it to people as something that we can do out in the woods get out and get some exercise and we can hoot and holler yep. and you're not going to spook the mushrooms away you know, no, the mushrooms don't care. Yeah, they're not going <laughs> to run still away. hide, but <laughs> you know, they're, uh, just being successful, like in mushroom hunting, that doesn't really mean anything. So that's what make you don't need success when you mushroom hunt. You just need to do it. You know what I mean? Do yeah, experience, but, um, and you absolutely. always learn. So it's pretty pretty fun to not be not hold something over a trip. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's so that's it's very well said, man. Because like I look at just our weird little cabin, we've got. It's almost 103 acres of woods and you know i've gone miles you know through the public land and stuff and come up blank and then you know you find five or six of them and it's i mean you come back a hero so yeah it's it's just about a good walk so yeah we do we do a lot of that kind of foraging and then tonight because i have the boys down here they were in the creek today in the river and it appears we'll be having crayfish for dinner tonight, too. So that's on the menu as well. So you have a Louisiana crawfish boil. Yeah, pretty much. They're pretty small, so they're going to be small. <laughs> you get a lot of crunchy bits. Are there any, are there any uh, mushrooms really happening in your area right now? Yeah, right now. This, this is kind of one of those overlooked times because, like, the oyster mushrooms, which... To be honest, like I love morels, but the oyster mushrooms are right up. We've got gold, golden oysters. I found a log the other day. I don't know. I posted. I don't know if you guys saw the picture of some of the the golden oysters on it, but I probably found like four pounds of them. And you fry those up with butter and salt and pepper. And I I think they're every I'm going to get beat down for this, but I think they're every bit as good as a morel. It's a different taste. They're right up uh, there. It's bacony. It's they're awesome. That's. Mark sitting at the table with us. He he doesn't mushroom hunt, but he loves when we bring oysters back. Cause yeah, he's what you'll you'll pass on the morels. Yeah. I, I love the oysters. They're my favorite. <laughs> well, I mean the white. I, I do too, man. The oysters, like it's it's it, it's it's the unsung hero. Flaky goodness. Mm. I yeah. like to crisp them, them up right there. I'll do them right bacon there. grease. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And when you find an oyster, like you find an oyster log like you can make out you know it's it's not like you find like two or three mushrooms like you you find a a big deal and the same with like chicken of the woods and hen of the woods you know we'll find those down here and that's a haul when you find that stuff because it's pounds of it see i found chicken of the woods last year and i was Mm -hmm. not thoroughly impressed with it the way i might have overcooked it but it was sure it was like a little tough it it wasn't as good as the chanterelles. I and... think it's more of a texture 
people were seeking on that one. I, I ain't going to say it's the most flavorful. You know, a lot of these mushrooms are stock and, and other things, you know, small yeah. small ingredients into some better yes. meals. So it, it's yes. how you and, cook And them. I think you're right about the texture, man, because chicken, chicken of the woods, I mean, it's, it's called that because that texture is like that. But chicken of the woods is a really cool mushroom to cook with because it's, um, with that texture, if you do it in like a different broth or you add stuff to it, like it takes on those flavors. So it's a, it's a really cool mushroom. Okay. Uh, to cook with. What up? So, have have yeah. you have you ever messed around with the pheasant backs? Yeah, the, the, the pheasant back, or they're called dryad saddles or pheasant backs. Yes. Yeah. And, and like, it, that's kind of one of those foragers mushrooms where it's a very cool mushroom, and like I like them, but they have to be small. You know, like as soon as they start getting bigger, like it's like boot leather. Yeah, I mean it, it. They get tough. I leave them for the rookies. They've saved my day on a couple, yeah. blanked, a couple blanked out morel trips. Who, who, <laughs> who's who's ever talking in the background about the roofing thing? Like that's that's what that's that's true. That's 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 totally true. However, I have a we have a freeze dryer, which is kind of a weird deal. We have like a full blown freeze dryer in my basement, and I will freeze dry those pheasant backs. And then you can grind them into powder, but like soup bases and stuff like that, they're they're spectacular for that. But you've got to eat them small. So you can use them like a bouillon cube when you powder yeah, them. So, absolutely. So yeah, if you uh, want to use that to, like as a thickener or something, it still has a mushroom flavor, um, but it's not the boot leather. Did you get into eating some of them golden oysters you found? Me? Yes. Yeah. I was wondering. Yeah, I, is, I love them. Is yes. there a little bit of texture difference than the just the, the white oysters yeah i like the goldens more than the white uh, they, they seem like a richer flavor to me and it might just be the color because they're really pretty in a pan maybe that's all oh, it no is. that's one that's one that's high up on my list i gotta find that one this year I, I i think i ate like eight different wild mushrooms last year and lived to tell about it so I'm going to add a couple, <laughs> you're, add you're a a couple more. You're all set. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the whole internet's full of, can I eat this? Go ahead, buddy. I mean, die tonight. I don't, I don't you know. You can eat it once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like, I, I'm i a forager, but, like, I am far and away from, like, an expert forager because there's all sorts of stuff that can kill you out here. No, I'm not carrying the Bible. But um, <laughs> there, there are a handful of mushrooms that, you know, from morels to chanterelles to the oysters, the elm oysters later on, Worth as things like that that are fairly easily identifiable. Yeah, with with very few uh, lookalikes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, it's it's fun, and I'm dying to go and look for some oysters because I know that like with this heat, there was a big push of them. But I don't even want to walk in the woods right now. It's just stifling. Yeah. Imagine all the humidity in the woods right now. With the- right. And, and I'm on the spring creeks and all these coolies and valleys. Like I'm sitting in my front porch overlooking a bunch of black walnuts into my field. And like the humidity in these valleys is like, it's unbelievable. It's like 190%, I think. <laughs> if that's a thing. You're melting. <laughs> You're getting soaked walking through the field. Oh, yeah. I'm disgusting. Is, is that a new camp for you? Did, did you guys just get um, that? We, I've been fishing down here for almost 30 years and we bought this cabin. It's been seven years now. Okay. We've had it. Um, my sister has a place that's, you know, 15 minutes from here, but I've been fishing down here forever. And I just like the areas so much for, I, I'm a big uh, archery, a big bull hunter and things like that. So 
I like that. And the trout fishing is a good diversion after the smallmouth season or before the smallmouth season. But it's a cool place, fellas, because it's it's a 400 square foot cabin that two Norwegian brothers built, and it's completely off the grid. You know, just runs on solar and rainwater, and it's it's pretty pretty cool. That's you know, super for, cool. For, for guys like you, just talking to you guys right now, like you would dig it. And that that's cool that your your son just has a ball and goes with you and uh, is into it yeah. as well. Yeah, and my 16 year old daughter, like she's one of the coolest chicks like on the planet. Cause she's like out there digging mushrooms, fishing trout. Like it's bizarre. But I, I think the, I think the property and having the ability to just do stuff that's not just on your phone, um, was what changed that for my kids. So speaking to your kids, when are they going to start guiding for you? <laughs> I told my son, I said, you don't want to be a fly fishing guide. Is that terrible? <laughs> and my daughter, you can never date a fly fishing guide. <laughs> Sounds logical, yeah. man. You would know, right? Dad knows best. Uh, yeah. Well, when I met my, my wife, Sarah, I was a guide in uh, Big Sky, Montana, and I was, she was 19 and I was 24. And her folks, I've got the coolest in-laws on the planet. But man, I remember meeting her dad, who was like a, a lineman for Idaho Power, big mustache, looked, looked, looked like he could rip your face off. And looking back on it, like, man, I would have killed me if I were him. <laughs> but, like, I've won by attrition. Like, like we're fine. We're doing okay, you know. We're great. We've been married for 23 years. Things are good. So that, I, I lucked out. Isn't it weird how time changes perspectives? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally does. And and, and Sarah, my wife, is super cool because this, this cool little cabin that I'm at right now, like, she digs it. Like, this is her favorite place in the world. So we get down here a ton as a family. And from the last podcast, wasn't she the one that uh, talked you into buying the fly shop? Yeah, yeah. She she was kind of the, she's like, let's take all of our money instead of buying a house and you should open a fly shop. There so you. that was it. And that was, we celebrated 20 years of tight lines, February 1st. And now that COVID is over, how, or not over, but how how's the fly shop recovering coming out of the pandemic? It, Dude, it, it's good. Um, I've seen more new people into the sport. If if one thing happened out of COVID, I would say, like, it brought people outside. Like, it, it really brought people outside. People did stuff. So we're seeing some, some new entry, which is good for the sport. And um, the guide business is always kind of the same. We have X amount of trips, and we have so much repeat business. Uh, but... But I will I will say this, and I, I don't want to digress from the conversation, but during COVID, like, I, I, I realized I've always known my customers were, like, my family, but we were closed for those two and a half months, and I was the only one working in the store and filling online orders. I don't think this is hard to even talk about with, like, getting, like, like choked up a little bit. I don't think a day went by that there was not like a six pack of beer that showed outside my door or a thumbs up or people just bought shit from me. Like a guy came up to my door and banged down the window to my daughter. And he said, I need a shirt. And Avery <laughs> said, what do you need? A large. He just wanted to buy something. Yeah. So like, I'm so lucky to be in this industry and have the customers that we have because they, they, they saved me. They saved me through it. And 
By the way, you guys do have some of the cool shirts. Uh, just, just <laughs> well, about, thank you. Just about a month ago, I bought one of the PBR logo tight lines. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. The the uh, the new Grateful Dead Steal Your Lake shirt has been doing very well too. So that's 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 another fun one. I think that one was out of stock when I was ordering. It, or, they went very fast. Yeah. <laughs> I mm-hmm. will say that. So um, let's let's talk a little meat eater, if you wouldn't mind. You, yeah, absolutely. You, you were on the latest season or the last season of DOS Boat. Yep. Um, yep. What has the meat eater effect had on you, your shop, your clientele, and your river? Well, we are getting a bunch of phone calls. That's a great question. The, the, the meat eater thing was so much fun to do. Um, we have gotten a lot of questions, you know, about, you know, the river, put ins, takeouts, things like that, obvious stuff that people can see some of the size of the fish that we, we, we have there. So we have seen some of that, but I think the biggest takeaway and the biggest impact was I talked to Dale Burry, my friend from the coalition to save the Menominee river. And after that aired, I think they're close to almost $20,000 in random donations from people who saw the episode and just went to their website and donated really um we've seen an uprising of different people from around the country you know posting stuff and actually trying to protect the resource so uh we're 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 seeing we're seeing some more anglers which i I obviously knew by burning the spot um but i think more than anything i think we're seeing protection and people who care anglers are they're all conservationists like every one of us Wait, wait, down is. you burned the spot for good reason? <laughs> you, you, sir, <laughs> are a genius. Yeah, you are a genius, sir. Yeah. Without a, <laughs> without a cocky smirk or a, if you know, you know. Yeah. Good job, man. I love it. In your faces. And it it was one of the better episodes of DOS Boat this season. Well, I just mean inevitably. Yeah. Think, things could be handled in the right manner, you know? Appreciate that, fellas. It was, it, it was a lot of fun. So... I think we got some positives out of it, and if 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 anything comes out of it, just uh, more of a national understanding of the catastrophe of this mine. You know, you look at like the Pebble Mine and some of these other things that, obviously, this that's the 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 biggest that that's giant, that's mind blowing that that could even happen on Pebble Mine to go in, but something like uh, the Menominee River, you know, putting this sulfide mine that dumps into Lake Michigan and nobody knows about it. It's, it's, it's a mind bender. So uh, speaking of that, I, I want to talk about your fish for just a second. You said that the yeah. Monomany dumps into Lake Michigan. Are you, yep. do you have any sort of idea if you're catching resident fish or lake run fish? I know for a fact, almost every single fish we catch during the season are resident fish because it's got like it's six or seven dams. I've okay. got to double check, but there's six or seven dams. So the last dam is in Marinette Menominee, and that dumps into you know the Bay of Green Bay, Lake Michigan Reservoir through there. So that's kind of where that is. So we'll fish some of that, and I know those are transient fish. If I'm fishing some of that, especially during the pre-spawn, they're olive. They look like lake fish. They're a totally different species. I mean, not not a different species, a, a totally different animal. They look totally different. It's a different sport. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. a couple of our guides caught, I know Gavin caught one that might have pushed seven pounds this spring. What? 
I'm not joking. Lake lake run fish though, right? It was a yes, it was unquestionably a bay fish. But you know, the, the some of those sturgeon bay tournaments were pulling out two years ago. I'm not a big tournament guy, but two years ago they caught two eight pounders in the Door County tournament. That's insane. That, yeah, I, yeah, I just want to see what that looks like. It's got to look like a grouper. It doesn't even look like a bass. <laughs> I bet they're because, delicious. Be, well, because <laughs> it makes their as mouth you look guys smaller. know, like everybody overjudges like sizes of fish. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you hear guys talking about like 24, 25, 26 inch smallmouth. Like, well, those just don't really exist. You know, like that eight pounder was 21 and three quarters. Really? You know, they they grow deep. They, they don't grow long. They just grow tall. Yep. Sim- similar to what we All get belly. to see within an hour here. We got lake run fish that are just giants. And then if you see mm-hmm. one that's inland, it's dark and and it doesn't really have the looks. But if you see one that's over 20 inches, you know it's probably a yeah. lot, lot more older, a real fish than that. So it doesn't oh, have to have sure. the weight, you know. That's awesome. So when... After we spoke to you last time, you guys start yep. you guys start rolling on musky train. Yeah. When does that start in the season for you guys? Well, the musky train is still reasonably small for us because we don't have gobs and gobs of water like they would, you know, like the Hayward area or something like that. So we're only rolling two or three musky guides during that season, but that really starts transitioning already in the middle of September for us. Like September 15th, a number of our guides pull off the big river and start hitting some musky stuff. And last year was last year was a mind bender because I think between Nate and Gavin, they had four over 47 on small water. So like some real ones. Now, when is when is uh, the end of your season up there for musky? When can people book a trip through? Well, it, that's one of those things. Like we'll book into November, but the hard part is it just is so dependent. You Might know, like, get some ice. You could get there one day and there's ice, True. and we're done. You know, like like winter begins. So I I would say November fifteenth is kind of you know we we book till November fifteenth, and then everything else is day by day. Those are all bonus fish. Yeah. Yeah, like okay, we can get out because the river's open. So, Tim, is there uh, is there anything that we haven't hit on that you would like to? No, but I just like chatting with you guys. This oh, is fabulous. This is fun. <laughs> you, we should have you on once a quarter. This is fun. I it's like the highlight of my week. <laughs> Dude, this is awesome. I wish you could see my view right now. It's so pretty. I wish we could too. I can hear the background, but I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so no, that's, but, uh, that's a no, lot deeper it's, woods it's, in it's here. It's always a pleasure, guys. Absolutely. Heck yeah. So where where can people go and uh, check you out? Where can people go buy the PBR Tightline shirt? And where yeah. can people go buy uh, a guided trip? Absolutely. Well, you can go to our website at uh, www.tightlinesflyshop.com or you can check us out on social media at uh, Tightlines Fly Fishing. Uh, Co Wisconsin WI, w, uh, yeah, Tightlines Fly Fishing Co WI, or Facebook at Tightlines Fly Fishing Company. So you can find uh, our website from any of those and then follow us on social media if you're interested. And uh, which episode, do you remember which episode you were from this year's DOS boat that people can go look at that? Oh, 
gosh, I think I'm episode three. Three or four. I think I it think, was yeah. episode. I think it was. I think it was three because they did um, the lake trout, and then they were in Michigan with Kaz for brown trout, and then I think it was me. So I think it's three. Okay, man, that's a must. But so check out all the episodes because yeah. those those guys at Meat Eater have become very close friends of mine, Miles and Joe Cermelli and those guys. Like, you want to talk about like some incredibly great dudes? Like, it's them. Yeah, we, we got to get Miles or Joe on. We've had them both on. Oh my God! Yeah, I got I got I got to go back into older episodes. <laughs> I, I'm I'm slacking. Yeah, we've had them both on. We had Joe on just before we had you on, and we had Miles on like four weeks after you, I think. All right, I'm terrible. I apologize, yeah. bros. You don't gotta <laughs> listen, man. This no. one's this this podcast is better than those ones. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know it. I love it. Yeah, you're a way better personality than those guys. <laughs> oh no you gotta just fish with Sermelli for a day like I, I I was like peeing in my pants all afternoon he's so funny oh my god is he funny yeah that that would be a hoot yeah it's good stuff so hey thank you so much Tim this has been a great pleasure for us and like I said oh fellas thank co- you for having me let, let's have you on again once before Soon. the end of the year yeah how's that sound yeah and for we'll, sure we'll do it we, maybe we do a recap at the end of the guide season talk about kind of what happened go. through uh we're going to have a low water year, so there'll be a lot to talk about. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about the differences between this year and the, the high water years that we had prior years. Absolutely. That'd be fun. All righty, man. Cool. Well, thank, All right, fellas. Thanks thank for you your so time. Much, Tim. Oh boys, Tim was awesome. I I love talking to that dude. He's, he he was sitting in the middle of paradise on, I, on the podcast, right? Just so you know, he sent me pictures just to rub it in. Oh, I mean, he was like, well, I mean, you got to hear this, you got to see this. I, that's how it goes, man. So look, this this is kid shooting trap. They're catching crayfish. Full day. Full ride. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there he is. Looking, looking over a preserved uh, prairie. <laughs> Heck yeah. He's in paradise. So, hey, a big shout out to Tim Landweir and Tight, Tight Lines, Lines Fly, Fly Fishing, Fishing Company. Company. So, God, guys, go check them out. Go check out the Meat Eaters. Uh, Watch that. All the episodes, boat. like he said, that he's on episode three. But, yeah, no, Meat Eater, man, he does it all. He's uh, He's got it all going on, right? Chad, so, Chad wants to rub off some of... Well, there you go. Rub, rub some meat and make his own little meat thing. Absolutely, I do. Um, speaking of that, we're going to get going so I can uh, reheat some Ala- Alabama white chicken I, I smoked earlier today. Um, hey, tonight's show has been brought to you by Predator Fly Gear. Check them out at PredatorFlyGear.com. ARX Hooks. Find them at ARXHooks.com. Sims Fishing Products. Hey, Tonight's show has been recorded live from the Urban Fly Company studios. Check out Mark at UrbanFlyCompany.com. And go ahead at Michael at Down Earth Wealth Management. Queen City Guiding. Find Ryan Evans on Facebook or Instagram to book a trip for 
lots of different stuff. He catches everything. Multi-species muskies, trips man. in <laughs> western New York, fly fishing, even for flies and material. Check him out, queencityguiding.com. Hey, and Ryan has some big news that hopefully we get to break here in a few weeks. So we'll leave it at that. Check out Yeti, Built for the Wild. It's not sane. It's not sane.